0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Active Churches podcast. We hope you are inspired by today's message from one of our teaching pastors here at Active Churches. We are online and we are also in person, so we'd love to have you gather with us, 9 a.m. and 1045 here at our Ukaipa location or online on YouTube or Facebook. Thanks for tuning in, now let's dive into our message.
1: I won't be shaking Cause my fear Doesn't stand a chance When I stand in Your love My fear doesn't stand A chance when I stand In Your love My fear doesn't Stand a chance when I
0: What's up, Active Church? My name is Joe and I'm part of the team here. And I got a question for you. What brings you joy? What brings you joy? Is it those moments that you're driving on the coast of the beach and you're watching the sunset and you're with your significant other and you just look over and life just seems perfect. You got a bow bow in one hand and you got the steering wheel in another hand. Is that what joy feels like to you? Or is joy those moments when you're at your kids' games and you're watching them play, and then after your kids' games, you go grab some snacks and you're enjoying life. You put your arm over them and you realize they're one of your mini-me's. Is that joy? Do you get that feeling of joy in those moments? How about this? How about when you come home after a long day and you kick your feet up and the house is clean, the house is quiet because the kids are in bed, and you're looking around and you realize your bills are paid. The tummies are full and you're at peace in this moment. Is that what joy is for you? Joy for me is when I have my house just full of people. Me and my wife, we live in a small little apartment in Redlands. And I don't know if my wife loves it, but I absolutely love it. I find so much joy when we have so many people filling up the walls of our home. When we have people on our patio. When we have people in our living room and in our kitchen and in our different rooms. I love those moments because in my heart, I get to see my friends. I get to see my family. I get to see the people that I love the most. And they're here and they're with me. That's joy for me. We've been going through a series called What the World Needs Now. And as we've been walking through this series, we've been asking the question is, what does the world need right now? And the thing that we said last week is the what the world needs right now is the people of God to live out the story of God and to tell the story of God. And for us to do that, we're going to have to assume the posture and the attitude of God. And so we've been talking about these different postures and different attitudes that come from the thing that we do as we pursue who God is. And this week, we're going to be talking about joy because I don't think I have to convince you. I think we all know that the world is in desperate need of joy right now. You don't have to look far to feel that joy is at a deficit. Come on. I know you feel that with me. And maybe yourself, maybe you have felt that this year where you know joy is important. You know you want joy in your life, but sometimes the circumstances don't necessarily feel like they're conducive to joy. Like the table doesn't always feel set to have joy in our life. Like if you're going to somebody's house and it doesn't feel like it's ready for you, Sometimes that's how joy feels. Like you walk into the house and you're like, I I don't know if I'm supposed to be here because life seems really rough right now. See my internal world and my outer world are like in conflict right now. It doesn't really feel like I should be having joy in this moment. And come on, let's get even more real right now. Let's talk about this past year. Everything that we often found joyful just got like removed from us. I love going to the movies. I was taken for a moment. I love being around friends and family. And just for a moment in time, I couldn't do that. And let's come on, let's take another step. We know that this year alone, we lost the ability to go shopping, to go out and eating for the things that we love doing, the things that often bring us joy. They were just taken from us. If we learned anything this year, it's how fragile we are as human beings. We've tied joy into so many of the things that we do and being able to control our outer world and being able to enjoy and do the things that we wanna do, when they're removed from us, sometimes it makes us ask the questions inside, is joy even possible? Well, here's the conversation that I really wanna have with you today is that if this year has taught us anything, is that we have to learn to experience joy in difficult times. Because anybody can be happy and full of joy when the world is going your way When the sun is shining, when if everything in our outer world is matching what we want in our inner world. But the reality is, is that that's not how the world is always going to be. Can we have joy when life is difficult? Can we have joy when life is challenging? Can we have joy when we can't control the world around us? And I know what you're thinking. When we talk about what the world needs now, joy probably doesn't rank very high on your list. Like, it doesn't seem really urgent. Like, we gotta get joy right. When you think about joy, it probably doesn't even seem very practical some of the times. Like, positivity, that's really gonna change the world. Like, finding things that we love, that's really gonna change the world. Because joy doesn't always pay the bills, hustle does. Joy doesn't make me feel like my inner world is at peace, no. Joy doesn't take away the things that have surfaced in my past that are now in my present and I gotta deal with. Joy doesn't fix those things. Joy sometimes doesn't feel, sometimes joy doesn't feel like it can be possible for us. And sometimes joy doesn't feel like the thing that we need to work on. It's one of those, I'll get to it ideas, because we know joy is important. We all kind of want joy, but because joy doesn't seem so practical, it doesn't really feel like it's one of those things we have to pursue. And I get that, but here's the thing about joy is that when we think about joy and we just associate it with positivity, we miss out on a whole level of joy that I think today that we can all benefit from because joy is not just about positivity. Joy is about possibilities. Joy is not just about positivity. Joy is about possibilities, allowing yourself to dream outside the scope of your eyesight in those moments that are difficult and challenging And as we walk through the scriptures today, and we see what the scriptures say about joy and how we together have tried to manhandle and seize joy by controlling our environments, controlling our worlds, I think what we're going to find is that joy is much wider, much deeper, and much more beautiful than we ever imagined. And I think what this world can really learn and what this world really needs as the people of God to remember what joy actually is. Today, we're gonna move beyond enduring reality and we're gonna step into what it looks like for us to enjoy reality. So we're gonna be looking at the book, the letter of James today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn over to your Bibles right now. Maybe you got the Bible app. Maybe right now you can pull it up in a second screen. The verses are also gonna be on the screen, but I wanna give you a little context. See, the letter of James was written to the early budding church, a church that was just forming and spreading all throughout the Roman world, and it was written by this guy named James. You see, James was one of Jesus' brothers, and he walked with Jesus, he talked with Jesus, he lived with Jesus, he loved Jesus, and he learned from Jesus as he walked and he talked with him, and this brother of Jesus was now a leader in the church, in the new budding church that was spreading all throughout the Roman world. James was one of its leaders, and so James has this thing that he wants to tell the community of God that is growing because the church was a new concept. People didn't know how to do this whole church thing. And what the church really is, it's the gathering of Christians, the gathering of people who are pursuing to be like God, as people were gathering all throughout the Roman world and trying to figure out how to do life together. You know, what happens when people start coming together to do life? You know, what happens, when people come together and start trying to accomplish something, people become people. Sometimes they get frustrating. And even now in this day and age, as we look back on this letter that was written 2000 years ago, we can see that James was dealing with some of the same issues that we deal with today. Like when people come together, sometimes people are gonna feel isolated. Sometimes corruption is gonna come up. Sometimes people are going to have misunderstandings. Sometimes people aren't going to understand how to have relationship with each other. Sometimes people are going to trip over themselves and mess up along the way. And so all these things were happening then. They still happen now. Isolation's still real. Where uh, powerlessness is still real. Corruption is still real. All these things that could happen wrong now were happening then. There's a bridge between then and now. And so James, if you really, if you're like a co or an athlete, this is going to be one of the letters that's for you because I don't know about you, but I'm kind of dense, um, you know, when, when somebody says something like my wife will tell me like, huh, you know, uh, it's funny. The bed's not made. I'm like, yeah, it's not, that's wild. Right. And it, that's, that's a cue. That's like boys, that, men, that's a cue. Make the bed. I, I don't get those things <laughs> very often. And that's why I love James is because James is very straight to the point. He says what he needs to say. He says what we need to hear. And if you're a coach or an athlete, like I said, you're going to love this kind of thing. You're going to love how he talks to people. It's just very matter of fact, very straight to the point. So we're going to get to the letter of James today. James chapter one, verse one. We're starting from the very beginning. Let's dive into it. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. James is saying, what's up? What's good? It's me. It's James. I'm here. I got a letter for you. I got something to say. All right. James 1, 2, he continues. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you, help me out. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you, how would you fill in that blank? Consider it pure joy whenever you go to Disneyland. I know Disneyland's opening up. I saw some of those pictures. Consider it pure joy when your outside world is perfectly clean, neat, organized, everything is in its space and you're enjoying yourself at the end of the night. Consider it pure joy when that first cup of coffee hits. You know that feeling, that first sip, and you're like, ooh, wow, I'm awake, I'm alive. Consider it pure joy. Come on, help me out. What would you consider pure joy? James, what do you gotta say for us? Consider it pure joy. This is what James says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever, you face trials of many kinds that's exciting that's really exciting right like consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds I, I don't know about you but i imagine that trials would not go on your top 100 favorite things that bring you joy list i don't imagine they would probably even go on, on the top 500 lists. Maybe some of us may put drama on that list because we love drama as long as it's not our drama, right? But would you put trials? Would you put challenges? Would you put crisis as things that give you joy? You see, you see what James is doing right here is he's bridging these two ideas that don't belong together. He's talking about joy and trials. These two things that almost negate each other, that destroy each other in a way. They're kind of like pineapple on pizza. They don't belong together. Yeah, I said it. Don't at me. Pineapple does not belong on pizza, but he's saying right here that joy and trials is meant to go together. This pair, these two paradox of ideas coming together. So why does James say that? It's because joy is not about positivity. It's about possibilities. He suggests this, what if instead of looking at our trials as something to be endured, we look at our trials as something to be enjoyed. Like part of me kind of shudders back a little bit, if I'm honest, because how dare you, James, you, you don't know what I'm going through, man. You don't know the zoom calls we have to deal with. You don't know the issues that are going on in my life right now with my relationships. James, you don't know the things that are happening underneath the surface. And then right now you have the audacity to come in here and tell me that I need to have joy in these moments. And I get it. I get it. I, I have that same reaction that you're having right now. How can joy and trials go together? How can these two radically opposing ideas come together? James shared this, shares this for, for one purpose. It's because he knew early readers, the early church, And the church of today, the church of 2021, the people of God in 2021 would never be exempt from going through hard stuff. And if we're going to go through challenges and moments that feel soul crushing and future threatening, then we probably should figure out if joy can be a possibility, even when our outer world doesn't match up with what we want in our inner world. And I get it. That's one of the frustrations many of us have with faith. Maybe you're watching this today and you don't know if you want to follow God or you've kind of given up on the story of God or right now today, you feel like your your faith is just on a cliff and you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to keep going. I don't know if I want to take one more step because it can be frustrating because many of us have come to God, including myself because we want our world to change. We want our circumstances to change until we come to God and we're desperate. God, help me through this, get me out of this. Why is this happening? Change my world, change the things around me. And oftentimes we come to God and none of these things necessarily change. We still have the same relationships. Maybe we didn't get the promotion that we wanted. Maybe we didn't get to do the thing that we thought God was going to help us do. Maybe that boulder that was in front of us is still there. And so we become frustrated with God because nothing changed. But here's the piece that we miss often, is that God may not remove these things from our lives, but can, can get, get this with me, but he can surely form in you something through these things in your life. So meaning that you may have these trials, these boulders, and these things that we're going through, and we just want everything around us to change. But what God is beginning to do is he's changing something in us as we walk through. As we come to him, God forms in us the ability to navigate and not just endure these trials, but enjoy these trials. And this is what James is saying is like, hey, let's just look at this differently. God is giving you the strength and you don't even realize how strong you are in this moment. And you may be frustrated because of the trials and the challenges and the crisis that you're walking through. But here's what you need to know is that God has placed in you a spirit of strength. And imagine if we approach these things, approach these things that just feel soul crushing and saying like, this thing is not going to destroy me because I have God walking with me. And that's why James is talking to the early church like this. We're going to go through these trials and something is going to be reflected in the way that we tackle these trials. And I think because oftentimes we want our outside world to change and we don't want our inside world to change. We've almost siloed and pigeonholed our understanding of joy. How do you tackle trials? How do you tackle conflict? I know statistically, many of us are conflict averse. I know people who rather leave the state than actually have honest and real conversations with the people around them. Get this, I even know people who have left their church communities that they love, that they grew up in and that they met Jesus in because they didn't want to have a hard conversation with somebody that is a part of their life. And so they just rather go somewhere else. They just ran from the trial rather than ran towards the trial. They found no joys in the trial. They actually found shame and heartache and pain and isolation. And if we can just put all of our pieces on the chessboard correctly, we've been convinced that if we arrange the board how we want, we can find a life full of joy. But we've never been taught that in trials, we have the capability of finding meaning. So we have a shallow understanding of joy. Author and speaker Bob Goff says this about joy. Bob Goff is a fantastic individual, read some of his books, Love Does. He recently put out a podcast, and during this podcast, he says this, you'll find your joy, by actually going a little deeper. And like I said, I'm kind of dense. So when I heard this, I'm like deeper, it's kind of scary, I don't know what that means, right? So I continue to listen to the podcast and this is what he says. We have to be like divers going deep into ourselves, looking through the shipwrecks of our past to find the treasures that we forgot about. How often, how often do we dig deep for joy? Question, how deep does your joy run? Is your joy run out when you're around the wrong people? Does your joy run dry when things aren't going your way? Does it phase out when the problem is too big? How deep is your joy? What if we did the work of letting joy run deep? What we're going to see as we plumb the depths of our soul, as we go into our past, as we tackle the things like anger and bitterness and frustration, and maybe even the stories that we have locked away, the issues that have gone down in the past that we haven't necessarily resolved or even thought about. What we're going to find is that committing to joy, committing to the process of learning about joy, committing to the process of instilling joy in our heart is going to be what exactly the world needs right now. Joy in trials can show you more than you can imagine about who God is and more than you can imagine about who you are as you pursue a life after God. Shallow joy tells you that right now you're good. Deep joy that is buried in who you are will tell you that is more good to come even when you can't see it. But this takes work. This takes commitment. This takes us really asking ourselves, have we reconciled everything in our heart? Have we had the conversations? Have we gone through the trials and challenges that we need to go through? Have we built a foundation in our life, in our past, in our stories where joy is in us and not about the world around us? It requires us to go deep. There's nothing shallow about joy. What he says is consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's encouraging. We're not just gonna face one kind of trial. We're gonna face so many different kinds of trials. We're gonna face as many trials as there are colors on the Home Depot paint palette wall. And each trial is gonna be different. Each trial is gonna be unique. Each trial is gonna have a different version of you have to come out and step up. And I know that may be overwhelming for many of us. It's overwhelming for me, but isn't that also exciting? that we're not going to be facing the same trial over and over and over again. I mean, how boring would that be if we're just constantly in this cycle of going through the same issues, the same problems, going through the same motions. And every single time that we think it's over, we come right back to it. Truth is some of us have been going through the same trial for a while, the same trial, just in different forms. And the reason we're going through the same trial over and over and over again is because you cannot escape a trial that you must go through. You cannot escape a trial that you must go through. And many of us have gotten really good at running away from the things that are coming up in our life. The things like the conversations, the things like the obstacles. You see obstacles as reasons to back up. You see obstacles as reasons to not step forward anymore when the reality is, is you cannot run around a desert. You can only run through it. Your next season, here it is. Your next season will not make the trials disappear. I would actually even say that your next season plus the same you, you're going to end up in the exact same season. You're getting married. It's not going to fix your bitterness or anger that has been in your heart. You getting that promotion is not going to fill that void that you've been having of worth. You gradu- graduating is not going to fill that void of purpose that you've been seeking. You are stuck with you. And the reason many of us are running from these trials is because we don't believe that we have what it takes to go through these trials. If we keep meeting every trial with bitterness and escapism, you'll never know what you'll be capable of if you walked through them. This is why James is saying, consider it joy, that you're gonna face not just one trials, but many trials. And as you face one trial after another trial after another trial, the thought is you'll be growing. You'll be leveling up. You'll be going through a different trial because you're a different you. You're a stronger you. You are a more content you. You are a more aware you. You cannot tell a better story without facing the trials that are in front of you. James keeps going. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know that the testing of your faith, I love that line, the testing of your faith. When you hear testing of your faith, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking like God is trying to trap you. God's not trying to trap you. God's not waiting for you to mess up. Like, ah, gotcha. Told you you didn't have faith. No, God is sending us through trials, through challenges, through crisis, because he wants you to know what's inside of you. He doesn't think that you even realize how strong you are, how faithful you can be. And until you walk through these trials, you'll never know. God isn't trying to get you. He's trying to show you what's inside of you because you don't know the strength that's in you. There's a documentary that came out about a year ago. It's called The Last Dance. It's with Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan, if you don't know, uh, you just Google him, he's fantastic. NBA All-Star, played for the Chicago Bulls. And what this documentary does is it follows his last season, he's on the Bulls, this championship team. And as I'm watching this documentary, there's two things I learned about it. Two things I learned about Michael. The first is you do not wanna get on Michael Jordan's bad size. Like literally you shrug at him the wrong way. He's going to be scoring 30 points on you even though you have home court advantage and is going to embarrass you in front of all your fans. The second thing I learned is that Michael was great because his competition was fierce and the more fierce his competition was, the more he had to level up. We would never know how great Michael was. And he would never know how great he was if he didn't face fierce competition. And he considered it joy. He considered it joy because every single time he faced a competition, a a object that was way bigger than him, a trial that was way bigger than him, whether that was outside of the court or on the court, what he realized about himself is that he is bigger. He is stronger than he ever thought or imagined. Each trial that came his way, every issue on the court, he was just growing in his understanding of himself. He was pushing his limits because of the trials that were in front of him. The testing of your faith, the trials you navigate, the challenges that you will go through will reveal to you more about who you are and how good God is than easy circumstances alone. Easy circumstances, it's easy to love God. It's easy to be joyful in those moments. It's easy to trust ourselves when everything's going right. But in the moments where challenges come, or an unexpected journey pops up, you begin to learn more about how much you can trust God because God isn't trying to make our lives easier. He wants to make our lives more meaningful. As we learn and grow through the process of walking through these trials, what James says is we grow in perseverance. You know what perseverance looks like? Perseverance, have you ever seen like a a three-year-old trying to put their shoes on? And then you go to help them, they're like, no, 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 I can do this. I can do this. Don't touch me. I can do this, right? Have you ever seen a three-year-old just fighting because he wants to put his shoes on? The reason he's fighting to put his shoes on is because he knows he can do it. He knows he can do it. He has watched you do it. He has watched his family do it. And now he knows that he can do it too. That's what perseverance looks like. You know what perseverance looks like? It looks like that mom or dad who loves their kids unconditionally, no matter what they've put them through, no matter what kind of addiction the kids are walking through, no matter what kind of pain they've caused the family, there's still so much love in their heart for their kids that every night is painful because they're not sure what's going to happen. And every morning is scary because they're not sure when they look at their phone, but still they commit to loving their child because they believe in what the child is capable of. That's what perseverance is, is I'm going to commit and I'm not going to look back no matter what that is. And what James is saying is as we walk through trials of many kinds, as we face these challenges, as we go through these painful moments, what's going to grow in us is this tenacity to keep taking one more step. One more step. Perseverance has grown because you grow in your trust that God can, and we can find joy in that. If you just keep doing the things that you know you're capable of, there's going to be a part of you that never knows what you're made of. Perseverance says, I'm going to keep taking one more step. There's a quote that you probably heard, and maybe it's been really encouraging to you. It's, God can never give you, will never give you more than you can handle. I want to expand your understanding of that, that quote today because that quote actually, uh, though, though very inspiring for some of us, I, I think it's missing something. Is, it, it's, I, it's, I think that God can actually, uh, you actually get oftentimes in your life more things than you can ever handle. But I think it's in those moments where you feel like you cannot handle them. That's where God becomes the loudest. If we're continually doing things that we can do, we're gonna be living small lives. We're gonna be living lives that, that are not lived to the fullest. And I think oftentimes that's why we don't have joy in our hearts because we've just been living within our own capabilities rather than living within a wider boundary that God has set for us. Perseverance will never grow when we keep doing the things that we know we can do. Perseverance grows when we trust and we keep taking that one more step. James continues, verse four, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let perseverance finish its work. Keep taking that step. The work is going to be finished. Every time you take a step in a trail, you are growing into a better version of you. And if I'm honest, I don't get to pray with many people for perseverance. I often pray for people to get out of situations. And I understand that I, I, I would never want anybody to be in a situation. So if you're walking through a rough moment right now, I'm sorry you're walking through it. But what I can tell you, even though you don't see it, the more you hand it over to God, the more you keep walking in this trial, the more you keep having these conversations and keep taking that next step, you're growing. Your capabilities are expanding and your faith is pushing you forward. Even when you don't see something happening, something is brewing beneath the surface. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wouldn't it be great to feel like we're not lacking anything? I mean to be able to walk in any social situation. To be able to walk in the job setting and just know that we have it all. The issue is is that many of us are so abundantly aware that we are lacking so much. We may not look like it on the outside. We have it all together, smile on our face, but inside you know your heart is still trying to fix the pieces of you that were taken from the pains of life. And we've tried to fill these areas that we feel like we're lacking with so much. We've tried to fill these things, these caverns of isolation. We've tried to fill these caverns of confidence and purpose with things like wealth and power and pleasure and followers and opinions. But if anything, the things that we fill in these caverns just remind us of how much we actually are lacking, what having joy in the midst of trial Reminds us as we take steps towards God, as we take steps in these trials, what we're reminded of is what's being formed in you can never be taken from you. Just give God time. Give God time to form the spirit of confidence that you've been praying for and fighting for. Just keep praying and keep walking towards that trial. As you are walking through frustration with your current life circumstance, just know that God is forming something in you. And what I know to be true is that anything that God forms in you is not going to be easily removed from you. Do you ask the question often, what are you learning through this? No, seriously, ask yourself this more often. What are you learning in the middle of this trial? You want to be not lacking anything. You want to move towards maturity and completion. We have to be so abundantly aware of what God is forming in us while we are walking through this trial. What are you learning right now? Spend time this week. Think about it. Write it down. Joy looks at trials not as defining, but refining moments. And finally, James continues. Verse 1 Chapter one, verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Isn't it great news that God gives wisdom when we don't deserve it? Can you imagine if God just gave us wisdom when we actually deserved it? Like, can you imagine if God was like, he's just looking at us as we're in our hole and he's like, yo, you got yourself there, crawl out of it. I mean, that's how many of us would respond in a situation like that. How we often understand wisdom is the things that we've learned and inherited over time, the things that we can see. But no, it's not just about right answers and the things that we've learned. It may include that. It's not just about knowledge. And many of us, when we are in these moments, in these trials, and we're praying for wisdom, we're not actually praying for us to learn. We're praying for us to get the answers, to get us out of these things. No, but this is what God says. This is what James says to us It's what wisdom is. Wisdom is context. Wisdom is perspective. Wisdom is the reminder that, Hey, all of this, that's going on every trial, that's happening, all the obstacles in front of you. It's just a moment within a minute in the scope of your entire life. And though you may feel like in this trial that you have nothing, Wisdom reminds you is that you are moving towards everything. What I can tell you about myself is crisis Joe and normal Joe are two different people in crisis. We don't always think straight. I'm kind of a klutz and I drop things a lot. You can ask my wife like often, very, very often. And I can't tell you how many things I've spilled or knocked over or broken. I'm sorry, Diana, you're probably gonna realize I broke one of the bulls in the house. I apologize about that. Um, But what I've learned is every single time I drop something, I forget instantly where the broom is. Every single time I spill something, I forget where the paper towels are. Because I'm not thinking straight in crisis. If I'm not thinking straight in crisis, I imagine many of us don't think straight when we have a lot of things going on, when objects are in front of us, when it seems like trials are above us. And then we have people, of course, who go like, well, why didn't you just, well, you should have just this. Well, crisis doesn't give us the luxury of hindsight. God doesn't give us what we, He thinks we deserve. He gives us what we need when we ask of it. And so James says, ask for wisdom. When you're in those moments that you feel like you don't know what to do, you feel like the waters are in over your head. How often do we say, God, I, I, I need perspective. I need context. Am I gonna get through this? Can you remind me that I'm not alone in this? Joy tells us that we can experience these moments with wider eyes and more intention. When we pray for wisdom, these moments are bigger than you and you need help. And that's okay. And God, what God says is I'm going to show you how big I am. So why do you need wisdom as you go through trials to experience joy? How can we relate to a trial in such a way that it actually brings us joy? What if instead of looking at trials as red lights, we looked at them as green lights. We looked at trials as something to remind us that God is about to do something in us. What if we looked at the trial in front of us as a way to say, I am about to show this world how good my God is. I am about to show myself how powerful and how how far I've come from where I was before. Joy tells us that we can keep dreaming beyond this. So three things today, three things. Dive deep into the depths of who you are because until there is joy in your inner world, you will never find joy in your outer world. Second thing, stay true to taking one more step because God is building something through you and in you. He's forming something in you even when you can't see it. And finally, ask for help when it seems like the waters are in over your head because this moment that you're in, it's just a minute from the scope of eternity that God has for your life. And if I can just share one more thing really briefly with you. And it comes from one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. It's Nehemiah 8, verse nine and 10. The Israelites who were a group of people had their identity and had their, their, their theology tied into a land that they had. And this land that the Israelites had, they lost it over and over and over again to war, to famine, to all these things that were going on. And so after being gone for hundreds of years, they finally return home to their land because of the brave prophet Nehemiah who rebuilt, the, who rebuilt the land, who rebuilt the walls, who rebuilt the city despite all the trials that they were facing, despite all the red lights that he was getting. He kept saying, no, this is a green light. No, I know God is in this. No, I'm going to learn and grow. And so finally it's homecoming day. It's opening ceremony for the Israelites because thousands upon thousands of them had just returned home. And here in Nehemiah, this is what we see on opening day, all the Israelites gather together and they open up the book of the law, which they haven't read from in years. And this is what it says. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people as they read these passages, as they read from the book of the law, it said to all of them, they said to all of them, this day is holy to the Lord, your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. As they listened, they realized how far they had gone from God. They realized how off path they had gone. They realized that the trials they had walked through, they had walked through them without God. So they kept repeating the same things over and over and over again. And they felt so much shame and they felt so much guilt and they so, felt so much conviction that they all just bowed their heads and they wept as they read from the book of the law. But check out what they say, verse 10. Nehemiah says this, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our God. Do not grieve. Why? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is strength. We have every reason to celebrate is what Nehemiah is saying. You know why we as Christians who are standing here 2,000 years removed from the event of Jesus have reasons to celebrate even though it doesn't feel that way? It's because shame was defeated. Nehemiah is telling his people, go enjoy it, go party, go celebrate, go live it up. Shame was defeated. Celebrate because the joy of the Lord is your strength. How's your celebration? What are you celebrating right now that God is doing in you? What are you celebrating around you that God is doing? And if you can't see God right now because life is just so rough, because you never imagined Him before, where's the good that is being brewed in your life right now? Because I believe if you can see the good, you are one step away from seeing God. The God who said in the resurrection that shame was defeated. The God who said with the resurrection, guilt with the, was absolved. The God who said love has won. The God who said fear has disappeared. The God who says I will be with you to the very end of the age, church, come on. We got every reason to celebrate. We should be people of celebration. There should be the most life being birthed from our communities. Even though we are not known for that in the world, what the world needs to know right now is that joy can be their strength, that trials don't have to be defeating, that death has been defeated, and we together can be the bearers of this future. We can celebrate hope, we can celebrate life, and we can show people that even in the moments that the world seems darkest and most tough, there is still a God who says, I'm with you. And that anything that comes against you, I will defeat it. Anything that comes against you, I will show you that you are stronger. And maybe today you are just feeling the stirring of God. Like, I I want this joy. I feel so lonely. I feel so separate. I feel so isolated. I feel like I can't follow this God. Nehemiah says this to you, don't weep, don't cry, don't grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength and you have to do nothing to earn it. Jesus has given his life as a ransom for us all. So we can experience the fullness of life. Don't run from it. Don't run from it because the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what the world needs now. As Christians, for followers of Jesus to live in a way where people see not what we're against, but the life that we are for, and the life that we are building, and the joy that is possible in every single moment. Church, let's pray together. Father God, thank you for these moments we have of joy. For anybody walking through trial right now, for anybody walking through a a trial that may feel like it's in over their head, may you give them the peace to know that you are with them. May they not run, but may they run towards you, if anything. May they run through the deserts that are in front of them, and may they see that there's a version of themselves that is beyond this trial because of you. That you've given us hope, You've given us life and God, that's not stopping anytime soon. Thank you for your love. We all have us up in your son's holy name and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you were inspired. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. Hey, I wanna ask you to do two things. First thing, hit that subscribe button to stay connected to the Active Churches podcast. The second thing I wanna invite you to do is go onto your social media accounts, Instagram and Facebook, and go to at Active Churches. Stay connected to the community because together we can tell a better story.